Hello, and thanks again for choosing Fantastic Noise. In this episode, we catch up with Radio X's music programmer, Leah Stonehill, to find out more about how a big commercial radio brand decides what music to play. I'm Terry Lee, Senior Tutor in Radio and Audio at the University of Bedfordshire. Thanks for your time, thanks for your ears. I listen to a lot of radio. It's part of the job description, but I also enjoy it. Some stations I enjoy listening to more than others, and that's generally because different stations are aiming at different audiences. One way any given radio station can differentiate from another is by the music it plays. Classic FM and Kiss FM, for example, both commercial radio, but both sound very different, attracting very different audiences. Similarly, BBC Radio 1 plays broadly different music to BBC Radio 2, based on who their target audience is. The lovely folk at Radio X are broadly aiming their output at an audience aged between 25 and 44, according to the website of the parent company Global, Listeners are usually guitar-based music fans. They go to gigs, live events, club nights. So how do you decide what music they should be listening to? I spoke with somebody who can tell us more. So I'm Leah Stonehill and I am the music programmer for Radio X. As you'll hear, Leah kindly explains more about the specifics of her role as part of our conversation. And she tells us about how her job has even got her on the judging panel for the prestigious Mercury Music Prize. After we hear the conversation, I will tell you about something I've enjoyed listening to recently and our Radio Word of the Week. But for now, let's hear from Radio X's Leah Stonehill. I started by asking her why she thought it was important for radio stations to have music programmers in the first place. From from our perspective at Radio X specifically, but also from a lot of other brands as well, we are we're a music station. We're identified by the music that we play, and our audience are very passionate about a particular genre, particular artists. They feel very connected to certain eras of music, and that as a station, our identity is very much rooted in the music that we play. Radio X has been Radio X for, I think, coming on eight years now. Prior to that, it was something called XFM, which was a sort of slightly left field kind of pirate station vibes, but not a pirate station. It was kind of the the naughty kid at the back of the class that was um, playing all the new up and coming indie music. A lot of the listeners now were listening to us when we were XFM and they feel very much that we are their station. And that audience connection and audience kind of buy-in to what you're doing as a station is, is just central to all other strategic decisions you make when you're trying to build an audience and retain the listeners you've got. But also, obviously, we're always looking to reach new listeners and, and, and grow that audience as much as we can. And honestly, music is central to that. It's, it's a tricky thing because obviously every music taste is subjective. It's not a case of what we like or what I would personally listen and listen to in my in my own time it's about what's what our listeners want to hear um when they tune into the station and when they switch on Radio X do they immediately go oh yeah this is Radio X or do they go oh I don't know this one 
and they and they don't feel included as part of that community of listeners so that's i mean that's very top level very kind of quite um simplified idea of why music really has to be strategized you have to have a strategy around music and we do we have a music policy a music strategy and every decision we make here at x and and at other stations at global and outside of global every decision we make about music is done with the audience in mind it's not done on whether or not we think something is a good song or we think someone is a, a great artist how would you describe who your target audience is and how does the music strategy fit in with that so our target audience are 25 to 45 year olds which obviously is quite a it's quite a broad age demographic i would say core our core audience are are 35 plus so when we're thinking about who's listening to the station uh we take we're keeping that in mind our audience like guitar alternative indie music they can be quite particular about that. You know, a lot of them kind of grew up in the era of Oasis, Britpop and, you know, Blur. And when when that kind of guitar music exploded in the UK and became very cool and almost quite mainstream in a way that it hadn't done before, the very centre of our audience are those listeners. Now, in recent times, we've kind of, we've had a slight shift in our music strategy we we used to focus quite heavily heavily on 90s music so we had a lot of that kind of Britpop pop stuff in there as all stations have to do you have to recognize that your audience is is kind of aging and we don't want to age our station with our audience so we have no interest in getting old with them and dying <laughs> we want to stay at a point in time and attract those new 25 to 45 year olds to listen to the station so we're interested in knowing what feels nostalgic to a 35-year-old now compared to what it felt to a 35-year-old 10 years ago. Recently, we've lent much heavier into sort of music from the noughties decade, kind of indie disco, the Strokes, the Libertines, that kind of stuff, but also more pop punk, uh, which is something we never used to really play much of at all on X. It was kind of seen as a little bit cheesy by our core audience. They, They kind of didn't give it the credibility that perhaps they would to some of the more 90s music. But that is what feels nostalgic to a 30-year-old now. And um, that that is when they were getting into music in their teens, that was what they were listening to. So we play a lot more Sum 41 and Fall Out Boy and Good Charlotte and that kind of stuff, much more than we ever did before. And that's kind of shifted the sound of the stage uh, station a little. We used to play a lot of what we would call classic gold rock as well so the stones and the who and the clash and that kind of thing and we don't we don't really play any of that anymore outside of feature shows and feature hours so yeah it's it's, a, it's an ever moving thing we're always thinking about who our audience are and and never getting complacent about that and never sort of getting stuck in a rut and thinking well we know who they are and we just keep churning out the same thing you, you have to always be thinking about well maybe we've lost some of our listeners and they've gone on to listen to other stations now because that's that's the natural course of things in radio you know we're not trying to target radio one's audience and we're not trying to target radio four's audience we have our own demographic and that that's what grows grows a station leah radio x is a commercial station and and the way you work as a business is by getting paid by advertisers are getting that advertising revenue. So do you, as a music programmer, have to have conversations with advertisers at all? Not really, no. I'm quite separate to that. But that said, 
you're right in that we are a commercial business. We're, we're not the BBC and we don't kind of have the free reign to editorially and musically speaking, do whatever we feel like doing. We always at the core of all editorial programming decisions that we make about what goes out on air is, are we talking to our, our audience? Because I think when you are a commercial radio station, the way you make money is by being very clear about who that audience is so that advertisers know that they are speaking directly to their market. So our um, advertisers that we have consistently on Radio X um, and who come back time and time again, and we also do things like sponsorships and paid promotions and things like that for specific shows, they return because they know they are reaching their market because they know who our listeners are. So it kind of goes back to being very clear about who is listening to your station and re- and keeping those people listening for longer uh, by by serving them what they want. And, and that music is central to that. So I guess not directly. I don't I don't get too involved with the commercial teams. I'm not involved in like the sales of adverts or anything like that. But everybody's aim working at Radio X, no matter what their role is, um, is to grow the audience and that is so that advertisers want to advertise with us and that means we all get paid at the end of the day. Leah, lots of students I work with love adding tracks to our music system and the playlist at our community radio station, Radio Lab. So plenty have said that they are interested uh, in being a part of a radio music team uh, going forward. With these students in mind, what does your job involve on any given day? What might a music programmer find themselves doing? There's lots of different parts, actually, to to what I do, um, which is why I love doing it, because it's never boring and no two days are really the same. But I guess there are there are things that get done every week. And those things are on a Monday, we have a, um, a playlist meeting. So I run that meeting and a number of the Radio X team and the globe and the wider global team attend it and we go through what we're currently playing on our playlist and also any tracks that that week I think are potentials to be added to the playlist and we'll just go we'll go through all of it and we will look at things like streaming numbers album chart position who else is playing those tracks so obviously we we look at what other radio stations are doing it's always a good indicator if someone within our competitive set so we would consider a station like absolute to be within our competitive set because we are fairly similar to them but not completely the same so if we can see that they are also playing something we're playing or they're playing something we're not yet playing that's a point of discussion yeah we just that takes about an hour and a half two hours sometimes longer depending on on how much we've got to go through and it's just a really fun meeting every week because people can really be very open about their opinions on things got a really great team in that meeting who are very passionate about music as well as radio which is massively important and they really understand what the brand is and what we are looking to achieve with our music strategy so yeah that takes a couple of hours on a monday and that sets us for the week what we're going to be playing on our playlist that week just to be clear when i say playlist I think sometimes there's a misconception that the playlist is everything you play on a radio station, Mm. whereas that's actually your catalogue. So we are predominantly a catalogue station. A lot of our music, most of the music we play is not current music. It's not stuff that's been released in the last year. 
we kind of pepper new music throughout what we're doing to engage that part of our listenership that likes that is interested in new music within our genre so our playlist is actually new tracks that have been released that we will add to an a list or a b list and they get sort of played a couple of times we, we have sort of two a's an hour and then a b list track in an hour and then the rest of it is all catalog songs to kind of bring that familiarity mm. um to the audience so yeah so that's really really fun uh meeting and we kind of decide at the beginning of the week what the station is doing for the rest of the week and that's very important obviously something else that I guess always surprises people and is a bit of an insider thing in that we don't like to tell everybody or we definitely don't like the audience to really think of it this way but at a station like Radio X and pretty much every other station at Global the presenters do not pick their own songs Mm. Um, so they are not choosing what they're playing we provide them with a music log for their show and that has every song in the order that they need to play it with all their links in the positions they need to do links, um, all their production instructions. Um, and I put together all of those logs. So a big part of my job is essentially scheduling all the music mm. for the next day. So I'll go in, uh, say today I'll schedule tomorrow's shows. And then at the end of the day, send out everybody their music logs for tomorrow. So they know what they're going to be playing in their show that day. That's a, a big part of what I do. And, that, and music scheduling is actually something that industry-wide we need a lot more people doing not there's not a lot of people who can do that or have been trained to do that or have any experience in that and that's um that's something we definitely want to improve um I've okay. recently trained someone else up to do that at Radio X and it's just been a godsend to have someone else who knows how to do that so I would say to your students you know if they're looking to get into music um teams at radio stations having a knowledge of what music scheduling is, what music, yeah. music scheduling software exists and who uses what would, would give them a massive kind of step up, even just going into those initial conversations with programmers and, and station managers. Leah, just to interrupt, when you talk about students getting experience with scheduling music for radio, are there any tips you can offer? Is it like the sorts of tracks at certain times or points in an hour? Or are you talking more about how certain software works? No, it's, it's both. It, I mean, I think the, good, the great thing about scheduling is that there is software that does an amount of the work, but a lot of it is editorial decision making, which is what makes it enjoyable to do, I guess. So, yes, you're right. At, at coming out of the news junction, you want to start an hour with something very up tempo and high energy that keeps the listener engaged and also super familiar. So something they know, something that's not going to make them turn off and, and try and look for another station. I mean, these are just a few bits and pieces that there's there's a huge amount to do with music scheduling but it's it's also you know what songs you put next to each other we don't ever want to have a very very slow sad song going into like a really heavy rock song because it's just too jarring on a friday we don't play any slow songs going into the weekend it's you know you want to think about mood you want to think about listener habits and routines so people are habitual when they listen to the radio traditionally so people will listen at the same times of day every day so maybe they listen in the car on the way to work and they listen in the car on the way home but they don't listen during the middle of the day or maybe they don't listen during those times but their office that they work in has the radio on or you know any any kind of routines that they have so what you want to think about is repetition and and what those people are hearing day after day so you you wouldn't want them to be 
you know, their alarm goes off at 7am and Radio X comes on and they hear an artist that they heard the same time the previous day. But burn is something we talk about a lot, which is essentially how sick of the song people are. If, if people are very bored of hearing it and they just, you know, it's been overplayed, then we, we say it's burnt and there is a sort of a measure for that. We do, we do music testing on our audience with focus groups. And one of the questions we ask is, you know, are you sick of hearing this? Um, so you want to prevent that with, with by rotating things and making sure you're not getting the same thing at the same time every day or in the same show. We have lots of rules that are programmed into the software to help us to do that. So it will say, oh, I don't want to put this in this hour because it was played there yesterday or the day before. Or, you know, it's sort of, it's a bit of a jigsaw puzzle in that sense. Yeah. And, and then there's lots of other, you know, more nuanced things that are quite station specific. Genre is a big one. We try to spread out our genres. As I said, we play a, a fair amount of pop punk now, whereas before it was one or two tracks. So what we don't want is, is to have a full sweep of music, a 20 minute run of pop punk. Mm. Um, we want to have, you know, maybe a pop punk song and then a Brit pop song and then maybe a, a playlist, what we call a current. So like a new, a new song and then maybe a noughties indie, sort of a, that kind of indie disco feel. You want, you want to get that, that spread of, of genres and artists in, in a pro- within a program, but also within a week's worth of listening. So it's, it's quite nuanced, it's quite in-depth, but I guess where students can start is just thinking about making playlists, really. It's all about curation and understanding what sounds good next to something else, what might feel a bit, you know, jolting, and and the flow and the mood and the tempo of things, I guess, is, is just a good place to start. I mean, if, if people DJ, I mean, I, I used to DJ, DJ when I was younger, and I think that's you know, you, it's the same thing. You're trying to keep an audience on side. That's great advice, Leah. You, you mentioned testing just then. How does a station like Radio X go about testing music with their audience? So we do music research uh, every three weeks at Radio X. That involves me making a list of songs that I think we should test. It always includes the songs we're playing on the playlist, the newer currents. Um, and then a selection from the catalogue. I might decide to put things in just because I haven't had a test for over a year or because I know that an artist is about to release a new campaign. So let's say they're coming back with, with new music and I want to test some of the older stuff to see how the audience feels about it. Just various different reasons. And that list will be around 30 songs usually. And then my programming assistant will make hooks of those songs. And those tend to be sort of 15 to 20 second long clips of each one, um, which includes the most identifiable, familiar part of that song. Mm-hmm. And then our CRM, our CRM team are responsible for sourcing a focus group. Um, and they do that via our sort of newsletters and things. And people are asked to engage with responding to a survey about our music and they're incentivized to do that by being included in a prize draw. And then they are given all of the hooks and a set of questions. And they're asked, to, it's essentially done on like a score-based system. So how much do you love this song? And then they're asked to give that a number between, us, you know, within a range. How much do you hate it? How much do you know it? Familiarity is mass, a massive indicator for us. Are you sick of hearing it? And then the data insights team will collate all of the results the following week. I will just before playlist meeting, I'll get a report on those songs and what our audience think of them. 
during that playlist meeting that Monday, we will go through it and we'll make any changes that we feel are necessary as a result of the of the research that we've got back. Mm. So that might mean a song that we're currently treating as one of our best 90, 90s songs actually isn't doing as well now. Maybe it's people are getting a bit sick of hearing it and we'll just take it down a level and we'll put it mm. into a level two category, which means it just doesn't come on quite as much or we might just lose it altogether. And that's always a very useful exercise with our new music so sort of the the current the newest things that we're playing a lot of our decision making is driven from that research really interesting i'm guessing leah that when a song from the past suddenly starts getting used on a say a new tv program finding an audience you might then consider adding it to your catalog is that how things work Absolutely. Is that Kate Bush you might be referring to? Oh, yeah, something, something along those lines. Yeah, I bet that I've, I, I hear that song all the time now. Yeah, all the time. Uh, yeah, and that does happen. And that is, again, something that we we need to be, you know, on really, just being aware of what's happening culturally. Are there any massive spikes in interest in things that might sit within our genre and might feel right for our audience that we're not currently playing, but maybe we should be playing because there's a relevance there? Um, Shazam is actually uh, one of the key indicators that we look at so if something all of a sudden is charting in the Shazam top 100 one week that never has been there before we'll be like oh why is that and we might look at and see that it's been used you know in a film or on an advert or something and people are hearing it and Shazamming it to find out what it is you know we might consider something that previously we hadn't but yes you're right use use of things and relevance within other media is is something we definitely consider. Leah, heading back to the day-to-day aspect of your job, you mentioned your Monday playlist meetings earlier. How do you get that new music? What's the process of Radio X putting new music on the radio? That's a huge part of my job. Um, A lot of what I do is working with a network of professionals outside of Radio X and outside of radio. It's, It's the music industry. I work a lot with people at record labels, artist management and independent radio pluggers. So my inbox daily, I receive around between, I would say, 100 to 200 plugging emails, which will come from various different people, but that will just be them sending me music and, you know, with links to tracks, with PR attached, trying to get us to play things. Mm -hmm. I have pluggers meetings, so I I dedicate an afternoon a week to um, meet with pluggers so they come in to global the global building and they will play me songs in a meeting and we'll talk about the artist or the band and what they're doing and what 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 their tour is and you know sort of what they're all the kind of interesting points about them and it's essentially a pitch it's like Mm. they're coming in and they're trying to pitch us to add something to the playlist on radio x which is great and i love i really love that part of the job you know it's lovely to be able to meet so many people working in the music industry who are really passionate about these artists they're working with you know they're all great they're great teams at record labels and promotions teams at record labels are, are just key to what what we do really so yeah that that is that is a big part of it obviously there is a huge quantity of music now um more than ever before both artists and bands that are signed to record labels but independents as well and artists just kind of doing it for themselves it's quite overwhelming the volume of music that I get sent but it's also just you know it's something I enjoy I I can I just sort of sit and listen to things as I'm scheduling logs and yeah it's, it's a huge part of the job 
I can't imagine how much music you're sent, uh, what with Radio X being a music-focused station. Uh, With that in mind, Leah, Radio X has put on concerts and events over the years. Is that something you've had to get involved in as well? Yes, it is. So, yes, you're right. Events are key to what we do, and we like to put on gigs for our listeners that feel very special to them. So our, our kind of offering within that area is huge bands in small venues and we'll give away tickets to our listeners and sell tickets as well to see like massive bands but in sort of an o2 academy somewhere and we'll film that and uh, record it and then put it out on air so my job as part of that is to basically book the artists and liaise with their label and their management and their um, promotions teams to get them on side get them to agree to do a gig for us and then deal with anything artist side that comes up during the process leading up to the event happening. Obviously, when you put on an event like that, there's a huge number of people involved um, from our side in different teams. We have an events team, a marketing team that get involved and legal, lots of lots of different um, areas. Um, so I kind of have to work both internally with all of those people to make sure that we're all singing from the same hymn sheet and we we know what we want and we're communicating that effectively. And then also externally with the artist and their teams to make sure that they're happy and they've agreed to what we need and that everything goes smoothly. Yes, that that's that's a fun part of the job as well. We we try to do a few of those a year. We've done had quite a run of you know one after the other recently, which has been great, especially post COVID because we had a good two years where really we couldn't mm. do any live events, which was challenging, and we had to come up with creative ways to still kind of meet that need for our listeners because you know they as we've said many times they're music fans and they're used to going to, to gigs that impacted them a lot as well as us during covid so we did some streamed things in venues which were you know felt very special but also quite sad not to have an audience there um, but it, it forced us to be creative and, and come up with new ideas to be able to deliver something like that how do you know if you're doing a good job with music programming like, is there a measure of success? Yeah, I mean, I guess there's there's a few. There's on a personal level, sort of, you know, doing my job. On a very simple level, it's, is the music playing out? <laughs> Has everyone got their logs? Is the music all loaded into the station? Does everyone know what they're doing? Does it sound like Radio X? And, and you know, not, not to have anything go wrong. A, a large part of that is even simple things like, have we got clean versions? We don't want to be playing out any swears. Um, in the middle of the day on Radio X? Or have we just got the right radio edit? Have we uh, got the right audio loaded into the to the right media IDs? Basic things like that. They're obviously, you know, if everything's running smoothly and you're not having any hiccups, then that feels like a measure of success. But I guess on a on a larger scale, it's when you see the radar numbers come in. Um, I don't know how much you guys talk about radar oh. as part of... It is important. Uh, tell us more about how you respond to Rajar. I mean, a lot of people focus on radio presenters when the Rajar audience figures are, are released. But of course, with radio, it's the whole package of sound that brings in an audience. So if Radio X figures go up, I guess you can take a lot of the credit for that. Well, I mean, I take some. Um, <laughs> uh, we are obviously a team and we're all working towards that same goal. So if everyone is kind of pulling in the same direction, you hope that that's reflected in those numbers for me it's um hours hours is a massive indicator um for me because the longer that people are spending with us for me that's an indicator that they are not sick of what they're hearing 
they're not getting bored, they're not finding it too repetitive, because you can have like quite a large reach, but they might only be tuning in for an hour a day. Whereas we, we have really good um, hours at Radio X and people stay with us for most of their day, uh, which is really encouraging. And, and just, you know, when you see those numbers come in and they've gone up or, you know, that, that's an indicator to me of are we doing, are we doing well? Is it, you know, is it working? So, yeah, I think as much as presenters, obviously it is important, but the music that they're playing is part, part and parcel of their shows. So it, it has to be it has to be considered as well. I would say a, a really clear kind of example of where the music has made a huge difference uh, was our Sunday evening slot. So Sunday evenings are well known to be quite a graveyard for radio. Very few people are switching on the radio at seven o'clock on a Sunday evening um, to actively listen. Uh, so it's always been, you know, tricky time slot for us and you know the, the presenters that are have presented those shows in those hours you can't hold it against them because it's it's about habits listener habits but we made a decision a while ago to make that 7 p.m on a Sunday a bit of an appointment to listen for our listeners and we turned it into a chilled music show so we don't really play chilled music anywhere else on the station we're quite a high tempo high energy music station mm-hmm. uh, but Sunday evenings we we go kind of into a catalogue of deeper cuts from the artists that everyone loves on Radio X, but you wouldn't hear usually on the station. So they're the the slower songs, the chilled songs, um, things like Moby and Portishead and stuff like that. That's very relaxing. We've just seen a huge improvement in numbers in the radio figures from that pretty much straight away. Um, So things like that, where you, where you can see a clear connection between listener numbers and the music we're playing. It's really encouraging and uh, satisfying when things like that happen. When you first got into radio, was it always about music or were you originally keen to be you know, on air playing the music as well? So, quick life story. I went to university and I studied media. I didn't really know what type of media I wanted to do as a job. Um, I've always listened to the radio and I've always been absolutely madly passionate about music from the age of about 10. I knew those two things were things I loved. I hadn't really considered either one of them as a job up until that point. Then left university and I I did sort of a a brief spell at my local BBC station doing an internship, which was fine. And and, But I can't say it particularly ignited any excitement in me because of the type of station it was, you know, sort of regional BBC, very conservative, very sort of, I mean, I was 21 and their demographic was significantly older than that. And the music they played didn't particularly interest me. So it didn't really spark any real excitement for me. And I kind of left radio behind for a while and I took a job just to earn some money um, in a bank (laughs) and uh, ended up working in their head office and stayed there for far too long. But I think that tends to happen to a lot of graduates when you start to earn a bit of money and you, you're not really sure what direction you want to go in. And then you sort of, you know, you get comfortable. I'd been there a few years and then I sort of had a bit of a wake up call and realized this is not what I want to do forever. And I, I went to my local community radio station and asked if there was anything I could do to get involved. And they asked me what I was interested in. And I said, well, I like music. I go to a lot of local gigs. And they said, well, do you want to do a local music show um, on air? And I'd never presented a radio show before. And it was very much out of my comfort zone. But 
I just felt like, why not, you know, seize the opportunity. So I did that for a while. And then via that, I got another role back at the regional BBC station on their BBC introducing show, Mm. um, which is new music. So that was a a sort of contributing role there where I do um, reporting from gigs and things like that. And then I started to take it a bit more seriously. And I thought, okay, well, what if I actually want to do this properly? What do I need to do? So I started to attend a few networking things that I'd found online for women wanting to get into radio. And I met someone called Joe Good at one of those networking events who was a presenter on XFM at the time. She mentioned to me that they run internships at XFM and I might be interested in doing that. I applied to that and I got an interview and then very happily got offered the the internship, which was which was three months in London. I wasn't living in London at the time, but and still don't know actually. It was hard going because it was unpaid and I had to pay for trains in and out of London every day. And it was three months. So it it wasn't easy, but it literally changed my life because it was a music programming internship. I didn't even know that music programming was a thing in radio. I had never encountered that before where you have a music team that sits within a radio station who make decisions about what music is played. You know, everything that I've just described about what my role is, I didn't even know that existed. I didn't know what a head of music was or any of that. So it it just opened my eyes and and it was a bit of an epiphany for me because I love music so much and I also really love radio and it was an opportunity to really blend those two things together and, and make a career out of it. So it really inspired me and it was a turning point, that, that internship at XFM. And then that obviously finished, but, but it put a fire in my belly and I was, I was just wanting to go on to the next and the next and the next thing. I ended up working for Shazam for a couple of years in a music role for them. Amazing. Sorry to interrupt, but for those listening who don't know, Shazam is an app you can use that tells you the name and artist of a song that's playing. You know, it's a really clever app. Yes, it is. Yeah. But at that that time that I worked with them, they also had a music editorial team that sat within the app. So they were creating their own content, music driven content that was in the app. So I worked in that team and ended up UK music manager for them. And then I got a call from the head of music at the time at Radio X asking if I wanted a job with them. And I bit their hand off because I just I just love the station. I've always loved the station. It was a bit of a dream, a dream role, really, for me to come back here and be able to contribute to the music for the station. And I've just worked my way up since then, really. Um, And I've been ever since. And when you got that call from Radio X, was it from somebody who you'd worked with during the internship? Yes. So he was the head of music when I did the internship. Yeah. Um, And we'd we'd hit it off at that point. uh, And, you know, He'd stayed, we'd stayed in touch and, you know, we, he would often check in and how are you getting on and do you need help with anything? And he's, he's kind of been a bit of a mentor to me really since mm. then, even now, you know, he doesn't work here anymore, but um, he's still very much someone that I go to with any questions I have or, you know, he, he'll recommend me for things. And yeah, I think finding the people in the industry that really believe in you and champion you and will tell everyone else how great you are is <laughs> is key and I, and I try and do that for for other people as well because but in both radio and in the music industry networking and reputation is just so important um so yeah finding those finding those people that really you know have your back and and want to give you that that 
step up is is so important I think. And taking those opportunities where you can too you, you mentioned that challenging but ultimately fruitful placement that gave you such valuable experience and connections and now Leah this year you've become a judge for the Mercury Music Prize you know it's an exciting thing exciting stuff how did it come about and what's involved exactly? Yes, I, I mean, that's brand new this year. and I'm incredibly excited to be doing it. The Mercury Prize is something I've always followed as a fan of music. And I never thought that I would be asked to be a judge for that. It took me by surprise this year, but I'm very, very honoured to be a part of it. But I just got a phone call, essentially, from the chairman of the awards a little while ago. And I, they, so they have 12 judges and some of those have been there coming on five or six years I think I think one might have even this might be their seventh year um and they have a few guest judges who are like artists who come and go but they they have a sort of a core of music journalists and music industry professionals who make up the judging panel and when someone leaves they obviously have to find someone to take their place so a couple of spaces came up this year and uh they gave me a call and they said that they a few people had mentioned me to them and um would I like to do it and obviously I checked that it wasn't a hoax call and then <laughs> said yes, and then jumped around my bedroom like a child. Uh, but yeah, it was, I was incredibly happy to be asked. And the process has been fantastic um, to be able to kind of be involved with something like that. It has been, it's, been, it's just been really lovely. I think the great thing about the Mercury is that it, it, it's all genres of music. Um, it's about finding one album for that year that deserves that recognition and to be given the Mercury Prize. And that doesn't discriminate against anything, genre or label, record label deal, anything, anything can be considered. And that's really lovely for me because obviously I, I love the music we play on Radio X. A lot of it is stuff I would choose to listen to. But um, I'm always listening at Radio X with an editorial ear and a strategic ear so I can think some I can love something for myself but know that it's not right for our audience which sometimes can feel you know oh it's such a shame I really want to give a platform to this artist or this band but I know it's not right for Radio X so that's not you know that's my job um whereas with the Mercury I can listen with a completely clear head and you know I don't have to think about advertisers or radio numbers or you know what our audience is want from this I just have to listen with a critical ear and that's really lovely to be able to do it's huge amount it's a massive amount um before we even get to the shortlist which everyone uh, sees before that you know there's a huge amount of listening to be done to get it down to those those 12 albums that we have announced as a shortlist which is quite daunting when most of my job is listening to music anyway and then I've got to find extra hours in the day to listen to the Mercury stuff as well, but I mean, it's such a privilege that I'll you know happily lose sleep, lose the sleep just listening to music. Um, yeah, so I'm very excited to be doing it this year, and uh, feel very honoured that they've asked me. Massive, massive, well done. Presumably, your role at Radio X would have been a prime reason for them to ask you to be one of those judges. Yes, yes, that, that's correct. So they have um, sort of a panel of I think there's three or four maybe music journalists who write for music publications and then they have a couple of people from BBC Radio so the head of music at Radio 2 and 6 Music is on the panel so they like to balance that with some commercial radio representation as well that's me and also there's a 
presenter from Absolute called Danielle Perry, who's on the panel. So yeah, they, they I guess when they're thinking about who to approach, they want to keep the panel as balanced as possible in terms of you know, representation from different elements of the music industry and the and music crit, uh, critics. Um, and also, you know, you've got someone like Jamie Cullum on the panel, who's obviously an expert in jazz, because you need those genre experts, because we're not all going to know everything about every genre. So I guess they're looking, oh, we need someone who knows a lot about this type of music or this type of music so that we can have those those balanced discussions. Leah, a huge thank you for all your time today. Before you go, um, I always ask everyone this question. Is there one radio programme or podcast that you might be able to recommend for us all to go and have a listen to? Yeah, so I uh, don't get the opportunity to listen to a lot of podcasts. Obviously, my entire day is listening to Radio X at work. Mm. So I'm, I'm constantly listening to the radio. And then sometimes I'll listen to other radio stations with sort of a professional ear to hear and compare. So I do listen to a lot of radio. Um, I don't listen so much at the weekend. So I, I do tend to miss out on our programming over the weekend. So that, that stuff I'll listen to podcast versions of. In a way, that's quite nice because obviously with podcasts, you don't get the music. Uh, you, you, I, think they're, I think they're limited to maybe 30 second clips. So it's just the talking content, which sometimes for me, when I, especially when I'm trying to program shows, listening to music is quite tricky to do at the same time. So listening to a podcast is much easier to do. And so I, I, I love listening to our comedy shows. We're obviously a music station, but we also have a really strong comedy offering on um, Radio X. We have Danny Wallace on Sundays. And then just before that, we also have Ed Gamble and uh, Matthew Crosby do two shows back to back. And they just crack me up. And, and listening to those podcasts throughout the week as I'm sort of programming uh, Radio X is just a bit of light relief for me. So if anybody hasn't listened to those shows, I mean, by all means, go and listen to them live when they're on air, because obviously you get the benefit of the music then as well. But if not, then, yeah, check out the, the podcasts because they're, they're very well done. And two of our producers here just do, do a great job on both those, both those shows. Massive thanks to Leah. I learned a lot about the role of a music programmer and music programming generally. There are a couple of things from our chat that jumped out at me. Leah talked about having a music strategy at Radio X. This is really interesting when you are aiming your station to certain age range. When times move on, she referred to bands like The Strokes and The Libertines, who their target audience would be listening to nostalgically now. Gosh, it makes me feel old. But that's kind of the point. Leah referred to Radio X not wanting to get old with their audience and dying. It's a good point, and it's a challenge for music programmers like Leah. Leah referred to having new music playlists and a music catalogue, that's everything the station plays, that are both updated regularly. The music catalogue especially will respond to their music strategy, but also be mindful of tracks used in adverts, TV shows and other aspects of popular culture. If you're involved in a radio station, how many tracks are in your catalogue? And how often do you review it? Do get in touch on the social media channels and let us know. When I asked Leah about how she defined success in her role, she was quick to highlight the nuts and bolts of her job. Is the right music going out at the right time on the station, etc, etc? But she also highlighted radar figures. Of course, listener numbers will fluctuate, 
based on music being played on a station. It's very important for commercial radio stations to keep listeners engaged. This in turn leads to advertising revenues that keep the station going. This is why jobs like Leah's are really important. Leah gave some great advice for students interested in joining music teams, specifically that it's a good idea to start curating playlists. To me, that sounds like a fantastic in for working at a massive radio station like Radio X, especially if you're a big music fan. If I could go back in time and do it all again, maybe that's what I'd do. But there's a lot of tips online about the best sorts of tracks to put in after the news or at the top of the hour or at certain points in an hour. It might be worth researching further. Finally, we recorded our conversation in the summer of 2022. Leah referred to the chilled music on a Sunday evening. When the Queen sadly passed away in September 2022, some of that chilled music formed the basis of the Obit programming that Radio X broadcast for a couple of days. Increasingly, other radio stations have created chilled music hours in their schedule too. In an age where listeners can choose tracks on demand using apps like Spotify, I think it's important radio stations keep curating playlists or catalogues with the right mix of tone, familiarity and consideration for their audience. It might just keep listeners coming back. Radio X, with all the lovely music that Leah programmes, can be heard on FM in London and on DAB in the UK and all around the world online. I would like now to talk about something I've enjoyed listening to recently. Boris is a podcast series that was published on BBC Sounds just two days after Boris Johnson resigned as Prime Minister. BBC political reporter Adam Fleming is host, and in eight episodes he guides us through the life and career of Boris Johnson, with people who've known, watched, worked or dealt with him, from boy to man to Prime Minister. It's not a complicated production, it's essentially a number of curated conversations, but what I really like was the speed with which it was published. It was incredibly fresh and relevant, I learnt quite a lot about our former Prime Minister and gained a better understanding as to how he ended up in the top job. Admittedly, I am a politics follower, I even studied politics at university, so the content is right up my street, but everyone can surely appreciate this podcast for being available at the right time. Boris is available via BBC Sounds and is very interesting. If you would like to contact us here at Fantastic Noise, be it with audio you recommend, stories, suggestions for future podcasts, feedback or something else, find us on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter at A Fantastic Noise. You can also email us on fantasticnoise at beds.ac.uk. Before we finish, it's time for the Radio Word of the Week. Today it is donut. I like a donut as much as the next person, but we are not talking about the delicious sweet treat here. A donut is also a jingle that starts with singing or a voice, then has music in the middle, and then singing or a voice again at the end. The idea is that the presenter uses the music in the middle as a bed track to talk over, usually not for very long. If you listen to stations like Heart, you're likely to hear the odd donut. In that instance, it probably ends with this is heart or something similar. So the next time you hear a radio person refer to a donut, don't take it as a cue to visit Greg's. Other bakeries are available, but also they're probably talking about this particular sort of station imaging. Donut is our radio word of the week. 
And that's it for this episode of Fantastic Noise. Thanks so much for joining us. There will be another episode next week. Do subscribe, give us a review and rating, and follow us on social media at A Fantastic Noise for future updates and previews. Big thanks again to our guest today, Leah Stonhill, music programmer for Radio X. Our artwork was produced by Stu Elvin, that's Stu with a double O, and our theme music is by Liam Ayton, remixed by Daniel Potter. This podcast was produced by me for the University of Bedfordshire's radio team, part of the School of Arts and Creative Industries, and recorded in the studios of Radiolab 97.1 FM. I'm Terry Lee, and this, I hope you'll agree, has been a fantastic noise. <laughs> <laughs>